Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number 52 with our guest, Daniel Geffen. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us, tuning in. Welcome to the studio. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. One of my biggest, I don't know, let's call them issues or problems or roadblocks back in the day was feeling a lack of connection to the world around me. You know how that goes. I felt isolated. I felt left out. I felt cut off from the world. And no matter what I did, I couldn't figure out quote unquote, what was wrong or what was preventing me from feeling connected. Now, thankfully, I've come a long way from those feelings in part by replacing bad habits with better habits and becoming the person that I am proud to be today with still a long way to go and improve. Now, our guest today knows all about this and works tirelessly helping people discover their voice and share their message with the world. Daniel Geffen is a serial entrepreneur and founder of Geffen Media Group, a podcast production and booking agency helping clients build a loyal following through, what else? The power of podcasting. He's the author of the best-selling book called The Self-Help Addict. Turn an overdose of information into a life of transformation. How amazing is that? On his own podcast, he has over a quarter million. That's 250,000 downloads, uh, which is just incredible. We're going to get into all the details today. He lives with his wife, Lauren, and five children in the hills of Bet Shemesh, Israel. As you'll quickly see, he is one amazing dude. I can't wait to have this dialogue. Welcome to the show. It's Daniel Geffen. Ooh. Hey, Josh. <laughs> there it is, the trademark. That's the trademark. You've got to do it, man. Because if you don't start off like that, I've had people I've interviewed, um, yes, I just you know, did this massive intro. By the way, great intro, Josh. Thank you very much. Uh, I wish my mother could hear that. Maybe I'll send her a clip. Um, <laughs> Lovely. You know, you, you put together this this great intro and you got this, and of course the music's going to be added in, right? So there's so it's like this whole build up, you know, whatever it is. 
And then you're like, and welcome, Alan, whatever, right? And he's like, hi. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Where's the energy? That happens, huh? Killed it. That has happened to me. Literally, that has happened. And I was like, oh, God, man, come on. Give it some energy. Like, people have tuned in. There's half a million podcasts out there. They've chosen to listen to this podcast. Come on, give it some energy. I, I it love it. I appreciate that, and I love it. Now, let's talk about one of the os- obvious things. You, you are currently living in Israel, yet I love the accent. That's no Israeli accent. Talk to me. Tell me what's happening here. Well, my parents knew that if I had a British accent, I'd get much further in life, so they hired a private tutor. <laughs> There's so much truth to that. I love it. I could just sit here and listen all day. Like I know people. Oh, keep going, right? So yeah, yeah. tell that to my tell that to my Californian wife who doesn't care about my accent. Oh, she's right? from California, an American mm-hmm. yet. My goodness, an American Californian, and I thought, okay, you know, she's gonna love the accent. She's like, nah, doesn't what do if? it for me. Doesn't doesn't do it for me. No. So you <laughs> are like me. You're Jewish, yes. I am Jewish, yeah. Orthodox as well. I was a rabbi at one point. Okay, let's go down the yeah, road. Okay. I, because no, no, I was going to uh, say, what brought you? <laughs> you weren't born and raised in Israel, yet now you find your home there. So let's let's go down that road for a minute. Wow, that's a long, I mean, that's a long story. But the short version is I was born and raised in London. Um, then went to, it's called Yeshiva, which is a Talmudic, um, institute, we learned spirituality and, and Talmud, and I spent five years studying to be a rabbi, uh, and then I became a rabbi. Uh, I met my wife from, she was from California, she was visiting Israel, and we dated, hit it off. Well, we didn't really hit it off, I hit it off. Uh, she ran away, I'm kidding. <laughs> Literally, she actually did. She got on a plane and went back to LA. Uh, and of course, what does a guy who's madly in love do? We, we jump on the plane and, and chase Follow. them. Yeah, there you go. So I did that and uh, hung out in LA until she until I managed to persuade her to marry me. Wow. And brought, yeah. So yeah. you were pursuing a life as a rabbi? Was that your goal at the time? Um, I've always been pursuing something deep. I've always been looking for something deeper. You know, there's always... I'm always looking for something that's more meaningful and more purposeful in my life. I've been like that since I can remember. Like as a teenager, I had all these deep questions. Uh, you know, I, you know, I went to all the clubs and I danced on the tables with girls, and you know, my friends would all get completely drunk. I didn't even need to drink. I just went in and just started dancing on tables, completely sober. And um, I'd go home at night, and I'd feel so depressed. I'd lie down in my bed. And I just feel like this is so empty. Really, it's just so empty. Just, just chasing, just chasing. Everyone's chasing. They're just chasing the girl. They're chasing the, the money. They're chasing the car. They're chasing the house. They're chasing the vacation. They're chasing it, the fame. Chasing, 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 chasing. Tiring. And for what? What, what is it at the end? Is there an Not- answer to that? Do you have the answer to that? Right, everyone's like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. Don't give me the answer. Right. What are we chasing? Or should we not be chasing? Are we are we are we looking within? Is that the thing? Are we looking without um, instead? So 
in my book, I talk about the balance between being and becoming. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this constant drive to become, to become something more, to do more, to get more, to grow more, to climb further. And like I said, it's very draining, right? You're climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain. And there needs to be this balance of, of being, otherwise you burn out. Look at the, some of the top athletes. Look at some of the biggest names in Hollywood, okay? Biggest uh, music musicians. At the peak, and I'm not going to mention specific names because I, I, I think it's, you know, it's a sensitive thing. But, but for those listening, you know who I'm talking about. Think of an actor who killed himself. Think of a musician who killed themselves. Think of, you know, why? It was the top. It was the peak of their career. Peak. I mean, they had everything. All the money they, they, they wanted, all the fame. All the girls, all guys, all, you know, everything. And yet, boom, they end their life. Why? It doesn't make any sense. And the reason why I believe is because when we're at the bottom of the proverbial mountain, when we look up and we say, oh, my goodness, I want to be that, whether it's that musician or that actor or that business person or that famous artist, whatever it is, we have something called hope. There's hope. And as long as we have hope, we can just, we'll just keep going. We'll keep going, keep going, keep going, because we've got that hope. But what happens when you get to the top of the proverbial mountain? What, what happens when you actually have made it and suddenly you realize, oh my goodness, this is it? And now you have no hope because you've, you've got there. You've reached it. But you jump off the mountain. It's a very scary thing. And so you've got to have that balance of being and becoming. And what does that look like? For me, using the mountain as, as an analogy, it means we've got to climb the mountain. We've got to look up because that's our hope. Our hope is always trying to get to the next level. But then we've got to stop. We've always got to stop at certain intervals. And the first thing we need to do is look down the mountain, look behind and see how far you've come. At every step of the way, you've got to look back and say, wow, look what I've done. Look how far, when I hit 5,000 downloads on my podcast, now to me, 5,000 downloads, like it's, it's nothing, right? I've got a quarter of a none. But then, wow, I've got 5,000 downloads. That's amazing. That's 5,000. That's incredible. And when I got to 10,000, I was like, wow, 10,000, that's amazing. 100,000, wow. You got to keep doing that. Sometimes I go through a day where it's been a hard day and I feel drained and I have to go back through the day mentally. And sometimes verbally, ver- like verbalize it. Okay, Dan, well, I woke up in the morning, I did this. Great, I did this. Great. You give yourself those taps on the back. You want to look down the mountain and see how far you've come. Sometimes on a, on a monthly basis, a yearly basis, and sometimes it's got to be on a daily basis. And the other thing is you've got to then take in the view. You've got to stop. You've got to look at the view. Look at where you are. Look what you've got. My goodness, look at this view over here. I'm married, I've got kids, I'm healthy, I have this business, I've got that. You've got to take stock, look at what you've got. And then, and only then, can you start climbing again in a healthy way. The more that you're able to look down the mountain and take in the view, the more you can climb. Wow, I'm going to have to, and, and, and I hope everybody else does too, rewind those past two to three minutes. Gold, I mean, gosh, that's so amazing what you just said, how you put it. Absolutely incredible. Let's, let, let's dig a little bit more into your book, The Self-Help Addict. 
turn an overdose of information into a life of transformation. The phrase, the self-help addict, I get it, but I want to hear so much from you about that in terms of for, for years and years and years, as long as I can remember, I always gravitated towards that in life. I, I, I was into it. I wanted to learn how to become you know, better, quote unquote, and, and try to, you know, help myself, self-help. And that was like, like I've heard you talk about, that was always the section I went to in the bookstore. Like uh, I just mm -hmm. spent so much time there. Where is it about a balance? Like, like at what point do we become a self-help addict versus a healthy relationship with focusing on the self-help? I actually want to call you out on something. You just said the words better, and then you said, quote, quote. Why did you do that? What? Put quotes around it? Yeah. What was wrong with just saying it as is? That's a darn good question. So let me uh, go back for a minute. What was the context? I said that I've always wanted to get. I've always wanted to get. I wanted better. to be better. And then you said, quote, unquote. Like you said, quote. Yeah, that's a Why? good question. Why? Um, I don't know. As I was saying, it's something. I, because can I tell you what, what I think? I think yes. I'm, yes. I, I think it's coming from a place of I'm good enough. I don't need to be better. You've grown to a certain point where you always felt like you were not good enough, and that not being good enough motivated you and push you to be better and better and better. But then you became mature and you evolved as a human being and you got to a place where you actually felt so good about yourself that now when you say the words, I wanna be better, you kind of say, well, hold on a second, Josh. I don't need to be better. There's a pressure, almost a pressure. I have to put it in quotes. I have to say, I wanna be better in quotes because I'm, I'm perfect the way I am. And here's the thing, it's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. So many people struggle with this, where they feel like, on the one hand, I wanna be Eckhart, like, like Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now. I wanna be in the moment, okay? okay. I wanna just, yeah, I wanna be in the moment. I wanna enjoy the moment. I wanna love myself for who I am. I wanna accept myself for who I am because there's so many people with issues with self-esteem and they're just, and I was bullied in high school. We can talk about that later, but the whole like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And finally you freaking break through that where you get to the place of I am good enough I am good enough and I, and I love where I am and I appreciate everything I have. And so then there's this almost this contradiction where you feel like I don't need to be better, right? I don't need to be better. But here's the thing, another analogy. I have a two-year-old son. I have five children, okay? I have a 10-year-old, eight-year-old, six-year-old, two-year-old, and a newborn. Let's take the two-year-old because the two-year-old for me is just the cutest age. It really is. It's the cutest age. It's like when they're starting to, to say things and daddy come see, daddy come see, you know, like, oh, he's so cute with Dora. Everything he does, he eats funny, he talks funny, he walks <laughs> funny. It's all funny, right? I'd be put away in a mental institution if I, if I looked like him or acted like him or spoke like him. But, but, but at two, you get away with it and it's so adorable, right? True. His name's Ori. Now, Josh, if you said to me, is there anything that you would change about Ori? I would flat out tell you, absolutely not a thing. He is perfect just the way he is. There is nothing that I would change about him. Absolutely perfect. And you turn around and you say to me, okay, Daniel, here's the thing. 
just came out with this breakthrough drug. And what the drug does is it actually keeps a person exactly where they are. They'll never grow older. They'll never change. They'll stay exactly as they are. Here's the drug. I'll tell you, take that drug, and shove, shove, it. It down the, <laughs> shove it down the toilet. There's no way I'm going to do it. And you turn around, you're like, Daniel, I don't understand. I'm so confused. You just told me he's perfect. You love him exactly as he is. Why do you want him to grow up? Why would you want him to change? This is it. Or do you want to get him to teenagehood and all that crap? Just keep him the way he is. I tell you, Josh, you're mad. I want to watch him grow. I want to watch him struggle. I want to be there when I take him to his first, you know, I don't know, concert if he, if he, if he chooses to, to go that way or, or his first karate lesson. I want to take him down his, his aisle with his wife. I want to hold his baby in my, my, in my arms. I want, to, I want to go through life with him. I want to see him go through that journey. And yet, I love him exactly as he is. There is no contradiction. I can love myself, just like I love my two-year-old, exactly as I am right now. I'm perfect. I have everything I need. Everything is God-given, and everything I have right now is exactly the way it needs to be, and I am perfect the way I am, and yet I want to see myself grow. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better businessman. I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be a better friend. I want to be... I want to be better at everything I do. I want to lift heavier weights. I want to run faster. I want to interview bigger guests. I want to make more money. I want to give more charity. I want to help more people. Not a contradiction. Hmm. You can live those two same realities and truths. It's a paradox in some sense, but the world, if you look around you, is one big paradox. That's amazing. Thank you for uh, catching that and uh, un unraveling that for us. I said, quote unquote, better for that exact reason. Something, <laughs> in, me, so, yeah, something in me felt that, um, no, we as people shouldn't strive for better because right now we are perfect. We are good. We're where we should yeah. be. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. Especially because most of us, uh, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're listening to this and you're, you're an entrepreneur, the chances are you grew up being told you're not good enough. Mm. And so we have that poison in us that we just, we want to flush it out of the system. We just want to flush it out. Wow. Let's go back to Daniel Geffen as, as a young child. I want to connect the dots and uh, see how we arrived uh, at all this today. Take us back, if you will. What was life like growing up for you as a young child? Uh, most of it's a blur, if I'm really honest, and, and probably because, you know, psychologically, I kind of just blurred it out. Um, I went through a tremendous amount of emotional abuse. Um, in school, I just didn't seem to fit in, mm. no matter what I did. And, I, and, and the thing is, there was this like vicious cycle that I got myself in, which was the more I tried to get attention, the more isolated I became. And so the more I felt like I needed more attention, but of course, with more attention, became more isolated and it was just this constant constant cycle um my my classmates would just make fun of me uh just abuse me all the time the teachers would even emotionally abuse me what? um I, yeah absolutely and the thing is is that 
everybody thought that I enjoyed it because on the outside, I played this character, this kind of funny, I'm always laughing and smiling and joking and this is all just one big joke and I'm jumping on tables and I'm making jokes. I'm the clown. I'm the class clown. And until a certain point, I actually thought people were laughing with me because they were like, they found me funny and entertaining. And then it set in that actually one day I realized they were laughing at me, not with me. And that really stung. The problem was, is that there was no turning back because I was the class clown and I needed to perform. I remember one day when I decided I'm not going to perform for them today. I'm not going to be the monkey. So I sat there and I was quiet. But of course, everyone was like, hey, Gavin, what's going on? Why are you, why are you so quiet? And suddenly, all the attention's on me, but the intention is on me to perform. Hey, you need to perform. We expect you to, to do something crazy and stupid that gets you kicked out of class today. Come on. And I felt trapped because I, if I didn't perform, I was going to get hated on. And if I performed, they'd laugh at me. Which one, you know, would, you know pick the, choose one of the two evils, right? And I was constantly told to shut up. The teachers would, this is how they would emotionally, so, so it was basically me trying to get attention, you know, trying to be the class clown. The teachers would just tell me, shut up, Geffen, shut up, Geffen. And that became my name. You know, the students would just say, hey, shut up, Geffen, shut up, Geffen. So my desire and my need to express myself was essentially abused and, and, and just used against me. And I felt like I'd created like a self-made prison, mm. if that makes sense. Not only does it make sense, it almost sounds like you're playing the role of me in the Hollywood movie of my life. In so many ways, man, what you just said is and was exactly me. Everything from did not fit in. And this is what I said in my opening. I had, uh, you know, big problems fitting in, connecting to the world around me, felt like, you know, isolated and left out. Couldn't for the life of me understand why, because I'm sure you could relate. You look inside and you're like, what the heck is wrong? I don't see anything, you know, uh, wrong with me. So I don't know where that lack is coming from. But then I also turned to, um, you know, the, uh, the clown, the buffoon, look at me. I'll just, because we're so hurting inside our coping mechanism is to <laughs> smile and make others laugh to just keep the attention over there. And I did that for so long to the point where I wound up spending 15 years in the acting and film uh, industry. So I actually went that route as performer, which, you know, it's so, it's tough and it's a mask. And that's what I did for so much of my life, but I get it. Totally, totally. And then, you know, and then the next stage is, is, is really finally, I guess, graduating just about out of high school and then proving to the world that I can do something. Because everyone would tell me you're you're going to amount to nothing. You're, you are you are nothing, and that's basically the message I kept getting. Wow. You're nothing, um, and so I spent years devouring self help books, devouring self development books, because I needed to prove that I am something and I am somebody, and I am going to prove to you what I'm what I'm going to do. Did Watch you have me. an Did you have an interest in something specific that you were going towards? 
Not necessarily. Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted, but I knew that I wanted to to be somebody. I knew I wanted to just, I had this burning, burning desire to express myself. I just didn't know how. I didn't know how. It was like all this energy flowing inside of me, like crazy energy. And I didn't know how to, how to, how to express it. And once I learned how to harness that energy and express it, oh my goodness, like that's when the world's just changed. Everything changed. Um, but it started with me, you know, you talk about how do you know when you're a self-help addict, right? How does it, how does it happen? What happens? Well, it's like any drug, if you think about it, right? Mm. You try it out and you get hooked. Why? Why do people get addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever else it is? It's an escape, right? You, you hate what's going on. You, you, you can't face reality. You're, there's so much fear and stress. And this one drug just takes you away from that. You, you, you escape into this world that feels good. Mm-hmm. And, and the more that you enter into that world, that becomes the reality to you. And now the real world kind of just is this place you don't really want to be. And whenever you're taking the drug, that's really where you want to be because it numbs everything else. The problem is, of course, is that you're just going down into a spiral. You become addicted to that drug and you can't function and your whole life falls apart. So how do you become addicted to self-help? Well, it looks like this. I walk into a, a bookstore. I get a book. and I think this is going to change my life. And I have that incredible hope, right? This is the drug. This is the secret pill. This is the magic bullet. And I take out my yellow marker pen. I start marker penning every page of the book, right? Every single page. If you look at my books, I've got hundreds of self-help books and they're all yellow because <laughs> so much marker pen. Oh my God, that's going to change my life. Oh my God, that's going to change my life, right? Every single line is like gold, 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 gold. And you're gathering information, 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 information. And then what happens is you get to the end of the book and you're so excited. But then the end of the book, you feel this pit in your stomach, this emptiness, this fear takes over you because now I'm at the end. I'm at the end of the rope. You see, the book is the safety net. The book, when you're reading the book, you feel safe because I'm reading, I'm consuming. I don't need to do anything. I'm justifying the fact that I don't need to take action because I am doing something. What am I doing? I'm gathering information. And then when I'm finished, I'm like, oh no, I have no more justifications. I have no more excuses. I'm naked. What do I do? I need to go out and do something. No, I'm too scared. I'm scared of what people are going to think of me. I'm scared of rejection. Uh, uh, okay, grab something else. Let's go on his website. Boom. Now I'm on the website. He's got a blog. Great. Oh, he's got a webinar. Great. I'm going to sign up to the webinar. This is going to change my life because this author is amazing and he's going to teach me the, the five tricks to how to change your life. I get on the webinar. I spend an hour and a half. I'm scribbling notes, scribbling notes, scribbling notes. This is it. This is it. I've got it. This is the magic pill. And then at the end, he says, I've got this, this course. And if you take this course for $3.99, you know, it's going to take you to the next level. Yes, that's it. That's the next level. I need to do this. This is what's going to do it for me. Take out the credit card. I'm broke. Doesn't matter. I'll put on the credit card. Three ninety nine. It's fine. Boom. I'm investing in my life. So I've got to do it. Put in the credit card. Three ninety nine. Take the course. 
more information, more information, more information, more information, overload, overload, overload. I don't know what to do with all this. What do I do with all this? Oh my God, okay, he's got a he's got a live seminar in Vegas. Oh my goodness, okay, that's it. I just need to meet him in person. If I shake his hand, I'm going to change my life. That's what I'm going to do, get on a flight. Oh my goodness, it's $3,000. I've got no money. It doesn't matter. I put on the credit card. It's an investment in my life. You get on the plane, you get there. You, you, you're you writing, you're jumping, you're, you're screaming, you're shaking, you're dancing, you're standing on coals, you're doing all this stuff. And then you get back on the plane, you come back, you wake up, you hit the snooze button, you're freaking back to where you were. And you go back to the bookstore and you pick up another book and it just happens all over again and all over again. And today, in today's generation, it's YouTube videos, it's podcast shows, it's blogs, it's social media. And it's just so much information overload that you just literally collapse with exhaustion every day because you've just taken in too much information and you've done nothing with it. And it's like an obese person, except at least someone who's obese, you can see they're fat, you can see they're unhealthy. But someone who's emotionally obese, someone who's, who's mentally obese, you don't see see that it's all inside right but what's happening in your brain your brain's becoming obese because it has all this information and you haven't converted that information into action and when you don't convert the fuel into energy you know what happens you get tired you slow down just like a fat person they're slow they're sluggish they're tired they're drained your brain is obese it's tired it's slow it, there's too much. We freeze. We get into this place of, of do nothing because we're paralyzed because we don't know what to do with all this information. What do I do? That's a self-help addict. Wow. You're, you're a freaking genius, by the way. That was incredible. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I think you are. I think that whole okay. analogy was amazing. Uh, thank you for that. My question now is, and, and I got so much to, uh, to um, ask about that because I get it. it. And it's so like I'm getting the chills because you don't realize until you hear it like that, that it is an addiction. That is an addiction. It's almost like a silent addiction. Like who even knows except the person and maybe a few select um, in their personal world who are seeing it. But it seems like it's a hidden addiction, right? Not many people are even aware of it. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to develop self-awareness. Um, something that I've developed incredibly. I mean, I, I'm acutely self-aware. I know why I do what I do when I make a decision. I'm very, very, um, I, I, I do a lot of self introspection. I look into what I'm doing. Um, you have to have that self-awareness. You have to ask yourself why you're doing things. You've got to ask the questions. You've got to ask yourself those questions. And sometimes they're very hard questions and they're not easy to answer. And you've got to, and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not enjoyable, but that's how you can, when you finally see yourself in the mirror and you see what's going on, you realize I need to stop this. Something needs to change. And the first step in transformation is acknowledging that you have a problem. When, when, how were you able to break that habit? Um, Discipline, hard work, and patience. You have to have patience. Real transformation doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Was there a final time. straw? You know, I love it. You know what you just said? You just said, is there a final straw? 
that is a language of a self-help addict. I hope you don't mind me saying that. And the reason, because I fall into that. Yeah. And I, by the way, I'm still a self-help addict. You never lose addiction. And in fact, uh, um, um, you know, people on AA, NA, SA, you know. All the A's. Yeah, all the A's, okay. They know that, uh, one, they say once an addict is, is always an addict. You, you always have addic- addiction. Uh, you're always addicted. You always have uh, addictive tendencies. Uh, and sometimes you have multiple addictions, okay? Sometimes, you know, you could be addicted to, to, to alcohol and drugs. You could be addicted to gambling, but but also in you know, drugs. As a, so we have multiple addictions. But if you have an addictive personality, that's your personality type, okay? I have an addictive personality. So I'm still a self-help addict, except the difference is I've, I've managed to, to uh, live with it and work with it and... Uh, utilize it and harness it and actually use it as my weapon. So you used the following words. You said, is there a final straw? What was the final straw? The reason why I say that that is a self-help addict uh, talk is because we always want to know what's that, what's that one thing? What's that final straw? What's that one pill? No, no, sorry, Josh. There isn't a final straw. There isn't a magic pill. There isn't a one thing. There is every single freaking day and sometimes every hour working on yourself and working towards what you need to do to get that breakthrough. There is no one thing. That's it. There isn't. It's recognizing that there's a problem, realizing, okay, what do I do? Okay, so for me, I'll give you an example. For me, reading books. I made a a commitment to myself that I'm not going to read books without taking action. What do I mean? When I read a book and I get to a point where I feel like I'm motivated to do something with that information, stop, close the book, put the bookmark in, go do something about it. Okay. If I'm listening to a podcast show and I suddenly get this energy of, oh my God, I've got to go and start my own podcast or I've got to get booked on podcast shows or I need to write a book or whatever it is, stop the podcast, pause it, go and do action. Come back to it later. Everything's on demand now. You have no excuse. You could pause everything in your life. Everything. YouTube videos, podcasts, books. You could pause it. Pause it. Go do something with it. Let me tell you a story. I, um, I remember my, my upbringing with my father was very, uh, it was very tough because my father was brought up in a, in, a, in a very tough home. His mother died when he was 12. She drowned in a lake. And, he, and his father was a Holocaust survivor and emotionally scarred, as you can imagine. So my father was emotionally scarred and didn't, didn't really get love and didn't know how to give love. And so I had a very cold relationship with my father growing up. A, a couple of years ago, I was, um, I was watching a movie. And it was one of these, you know, kind of nice, cute, romantic, not romantic, but like, you know, uh, emotional movies. It was a father and son type movie. And the father and son got into this big fight, whatever. It was a huge fallout. And the rest of the movie is, is, is the son trying to, or the father trying to win back the son. And in the end, the son accepts and they get together. Okay. I start bawling. I start crying or tears down my eyes because I, I connect to this. I like a father and son relationship. And that's what I wanted with my father. And I want to do something. And suddenly I have this, I get heat. You get this heat. Right? You get hot and you want to take action and, and you feel like, I want to do something with this. Like, I should call my dad. Suddenly you get that thought, I should call my dad and tell him I love him. But then what happens? You don't take that action. I didn't take that action. The music dies down. The credits come onto the screen. And the next thing I know, I'm on Facebook, checking my Facebook feed. And I'm now I'm called, the, 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 it's dissipated. The feeling's gone. And I'm like upset because I knew that I would have done it 
in the heat of the moment, but now I've cooled down. Fast forward a couple of months, I go to a workshop. It's a relationships workshop. And the person running the workshop happens to talk about his dad and how he had this terrible relationship with his dad and he did this and this and this, and now his relationship is amazing. And we did this whole thing about focusing on our dad. I walked out of the workshop. I had this feeling of heat in me. I was like, um, I, I've got to call my, I picked up the phone. I didn't wait a second. I said, no, I'm not going to let this pass. I picked up the phone. I called up my dad. I'm like, hi dad. I just want to let you know that I would never replace you with anyone. I know we had a hard relationship and I know you tried and I know it wasn't the best. And I know you wanted to do better. And I just want you to know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change you for anyone else. I, I, I love you the way you are. And the only thing I would ever want from you, I don't want your, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. Like one thing that would make my world is one day you just call me up out of the blue just to tell me you love me. That's all I want. And he turns around to me and he says, you know, I can't do that. I just don't know how. I, I, I can't. It's just not me. It's not me. And I said, I believe in you. And I put down the phone. Two days later, I'm playing tennis. It was a Friday afternoon. I'll never forget it. Beautiful day. I'm in the middle of a game. And suddenly my phone rings and I see it's my dad and I am freaking out because the only time my dad ever calls me is when it's an emergency. He never calls me unless like someone is in either dying or dead. Okay. So I'm like, my heart's racing. Cause I was like, Oh no, what's the news? What's the news? I pick up the phone. I love you. And I melted like literally I'm 35 years old. I have five children. I'm married. And I broke down because there was a breakthrough. But that breakthrough wouldn't have happened if I didn't take action in the heat of the moment. I could have let that go and I chose not to. I took action in the heat of the moment. And that is the, if there's one thing that you take from this is you've got to take action in the heat of the moment. When we're heated up emotionally, that's when you've got to do the action because that's when we, if we, we could do it. All the thoughts and all the doubts and all that crap in your head, it's not there in that moment. In that moment, everything, we don't care. We feel like we're, we're powerful beyond. But you wait, you wait till that dissipates and it's over. You lose it. So powerful. Let's talk about because you clearly lead by example and i know your your mission your desire is to help people become an authority in their space and i know like i said you lead by example so you personally online you show a lot of vulnerability in in your own uh posts and writings and whatnot how and and I know that, that the response isn't always good, but is that part of it? Tell me about that. How do people respond when you are vulnerable? So <clears throat> part of um, putting yourself out there, you've got to be willing to take a hit. Okay? You're going to get hit. You can't play the game without getting, without getting bruises and bumps and, and falling over. It just doesn't work. You want to be a spectator of life, you could be a spectator of life. But personally, I don't want to, I, I don't want to live, live life just watching by the sidelines. I want to play. But if you play, 
you got to get hit. Okay. So when I put myself out, I, I, I really put myself out. I get really vulnerable. And I give, I give an example. Um, I recently uh, had a, a fire break out in my house. Uh, my two-year-old set the bed on fire. It was, it was, I can't even begin to describe the horror uh, that took place. I posted about it because I felt that there was a message, a really important message that I wanted to share with people. And it was a message about basically being in a situation where you feel helpless. Because that's how I felt when I was, you know, facing this raging fire. The kids, I told the kids, get out of the house. They all ran out of the house and I'm standing there. And now I'm the father, I'm the man of the house and I need to do something here. I need to take some action. I need to do something. And I froze. I just, I just froze. I just didn't know what to do. I got so emotionally involved, I couldn't do anything. And thankfully, thank God that one of the neighbors heard the fire alarm going off and, and he came running in. And this fire is like spreading. It's starting to spread. And he just took action. He just jumped in there, grabbed the mattress, started suffocating it uh, with the, on the floor. He started smacking onto the floor. I wouldn't have thought to do that. You know, I started taking water and throwing water on it, but it wasn't helping because I wasn't using my, we cannot release ourselves from our own jail. You need someone else to release yourself from jail. The best psychiatrist in the world needs a psychiatrist because he can't, he can't work on himself. The best heart surgeon in the world needs someone else to do his heart surgery. He cannot perform his own heart surgery. We need other people to step in because we're too emotionally involved in our own lives. You need someone else to come in. Have you ever spoke to someone who had an issue and you gave them the best advice, the best advice, right? But you had that issue once, you didn't know how to get out of it. Why suddenly when someone else has the problem, you're like Mr. Sherlock Holmes figuring out all the, why? Why is it that suddenly you're like, you have all the answers, right? Or let's say your wife is, or your spouse is freaking out, or your kids are freaking out, and you're like, ah, ah, I don't know, ah, put it down, come on, why can't you? Someone else's kid is all going crazy. You're like, hey, how are you doing? It's okay. It's a oh, wow. Suddenly, someone else's kid, you know how to calm down, and you're like, Miss Smooth, you know, Mr. Smooth, right? But your own kids, you're freaking out, right? How, why, why is that? Because we're too emotionally involved. Now, I posted this. That was my message. And I got so many comments from people saying, wow, that was so inspiring and it was so amazing and thank you so much. It really helped and all this stuff. But then, of course, there were these few people who came out going, how irresponsible you are. How could you leave a lighter around the house? How could you leave a two-year-old unattended? All of these things. They just wanted to, you know, they're always, they're, they're, there's always going to be those people that are just, they want to trip you up. They just want to, they're just negative. They're just, they're just those people. They wake up in the morning. I don't know where they come from, but they wake up in the morning. Who can I find today on Facebook that I could just write a negative post about? Come on. Those are the same people that go on Amazon and write those one star reviews. Like who the hell are you <laughs> that you have that much time? This vacuum cleaner was terrible. I mean, I bought this vacuum cleaner and it just didn't clean the corners the way I thought it was going to clean the corners. Who are these people writing articles with one-star reviews? Where do you have the time to do this? So what is, 
what is our job? Because I've been there. I know. I spent so long, like you alluded earlier, I cowered in the corner for years and didn't step up, didn't step into my greatness that I knew was there all along because I was fearful. I was scared out of my mind. So I re- re- reverted to some self-help things and all these different kinds of things that excused me from doing it until I realized, like you said, you're going to get knocked down. So what is our job or responsibility or reaction knowing that this is going to be the case? What's our best plan of attack? The first thing I think that's really important uh, was a guy who came on my show called John Vroman and he said the following words and he stuck with me since then and I've played them over in my mind many times. What other people think of you has nothing to do with you. So true. It has nothing to It's not your business. All they're doing is reflecting you. Mm. That's all they're doing. And by the way, that not just applies to negative, that applies to positive. When, imagine I turn, I don't know if, you know, most of you are listening to this, you're not watching this, but yeah, I could turn around and say, Josh, you know, that's a really nice shirt. I really like it. It's very crisp. I like the color, I like the pattern. It's a beautiful shirt. Now, you're feeling all good about yourself. You're like, oh, Josh, it's a shirt. <laughs> it's not, it has nothing, like, why are you getting so... You know what I'm saying? Like, are you my puppet? Like, I pull a string and you suddenly feel good? Like, isn't that amazing? I'm like, wow, Josh, you have such beautiful teeth. Like, you have white, white teeth. You feel so good, right? I've just taken your, like, I've just played with you. Like, how easy it is for me to just take you and just play with you like that. You're just like a puppet. I've got you by the strings. And, and vice versa, I come and say, you know, Josh, like, I really don't like you. Like, you, like, I really don't like you. I, that post you put up on Facebook, that was like, it was so bad. It was just so poor. This podcast is, is a joke. I mean, who, who's listening? You know, your aunt and your, and your, and your <laughs> like, you know, five-year-old kid. Who's listening to this? What are you, you you're going to get offended now? Because I said that, like, what are we, puppets? All I'm doing is reflecting myself on you i happen to be in a good mood so i feel good so i'm reflecting on on you hey josh you look great you look really good right well i'm in a bad mood i had a bad day today i'm just like oh josh you're such an a-hole get out of my way like i'm just reflecting me it's got nothing to do with you and when you realize that when you realize that everybody's just in their own world they're just they're just reflecting their lives on you that's all it is it's nothing it doesn't matter. That changes everything. That's number one. And number two is you've got to take the action even without the feelings, even before the feelings. The action, if you take the action, the feelings will follow. That's key. If you take the action, the feelings will follow. We so, we're always trying to get into a state. We're always waiting for the perfect time till, till we're ready. We're ready, we're ready. No, yeah, if you wait till you're ready, you'll never be ready. It's very simple. You know that, okay? If you take action, your feelings will follow. What do I mean? I'll give an example. You wake up in the morning and you want to go to the gym, right? You, you've made a decision you're going to go to the gym. And you wake up and you don't feel like going. And you have these feelings of, oh, I'm too tired, aren't I? And the thoughts of, oh, it's not going to, oh, no, it's, oh, it's too cold outside. No, I'll do it tomorrow, you know, all this stuff. What if you just went to the gym? You picked yourself up, you ignored the thoughts and the feelings, and you said, I'm going anyway, I don't care. I'm in charge here, not my feelings. My feelings are my little children. 
do, do your children control you? No, you're the parent. Your feelings are your children. I look at my feelings as little children. I'm in charge. I'm the father. Okay. I'm going to the gym. You can come along if you want. You go to the gym, you get on the treadmill, you start running. Guess what happens after five minutes? Wow, this feels good. This feels amazing. Yeah, I told you, right? Because you take the action and then the feelings follow. And most people do it the other way around. They try to decide based on the feelings. It's the wrong way around. Looking back on your younger self, what advice would you give that person? I would give the very advice I just gave. The very advice I just gave, exactly that. Number one, it doesn't matter what people think of you. What other people think of you has nothing to do with you. Key, absolutely key, bold. Number two is if you take the action, the feelings will follow. You've got to take more action because when you take action, you get into momentum and you start proving to yourself that you can do more. When I started my podcast, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, how can I do this? Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's got like, all these thoughts. And then I get the first hundred downloads and I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's like, wow. And there's, there's traction. Oh my God, there's a hundred downloads. Like, what a hundred people listen to me. Oh my goodness. Well, that's crazy. And then you, you, I could do this. I could do it. Sunny, 500, a thousand. Oh my God, look at this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. Like, I get on one podcast and I, and I, and I, and I did well and I feel good about myself. And people start writing to me going, Hey Daniel, I love your story. Really? I thought my story was boring. I thought I was just like a boring regular guy. I actually impacted someone. Wow, look at that. I'm going to keep doing this. This feels, this is good, right? And then I get on 10 podcasts, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100. Wow, I could do this. This is natural to me now. I can teach other people how to do this. I can get paid to teach other people. I can get paid to help other people get on podcasts. See how it evolves, it evolves, and suddenly you become the master. And you're no longer looking up at like, you know, these gurus as if they're gods. Oh, they're untouchable. No. No, 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 no. You can be the master. You be the master. The only difference between you and Tony Robbins is Tony Robbins is on stage and you're not. That's the only difference. He sold the ticket, you bought it. It's the only difference. Get out of that. Get out of that mindset of he's God. He's so spe No, 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 no. He just got up on a stage and blew it. And then he got up on a stage again and he blew it a little bit less. And he got up on a stage and then it was a little bit better. And then it got good. And then it got better. And then it got great. And then it was like, oh my freaking goodness, it's Tony Robbins. And it's like a packed crowd. People are like, oh my God, this guy was born like this. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Nobody's born like that. It's action. So it's it. action. It's, it's, it's all it is. It's Small. all it is. It's all it is. Small action, a little action, one piece of action. I love the first piece of advice you gave yourself that uh, anybody else's thought or opinion on you or of you is not your not your concern, not your issue. While I can, you know, mentally understand that, sometimes it's difficult to put that into play because it would still hurt. What's, what's one thing somebody listening could begin to do to, 
to to overcome that because again on paper it's like well yeah that's true but you know in the moment you're still going to feel hurt so is it just about exposing yourself enough times where you learn how to take the hit or it finally clicks how do we get over that hump okay so first of all it's important to realize that you're a human being and human beings get hurt we get hurt and human beings feel fear you know that when i get on a podcast there's still some fear there Am I gonna am I gonna screw this up? There's still fear. Even though I've done, you know, a hundred of these. Right. I've interviewed hundred and fifty, you know, huge, you know, high, high, high performance individuals. And when I'm about to get on, you know, it's the countdown. Three, two, one, I'm about to hit record. There's those butterflies again. There they are. I need to go to the bathroom, but I can't because we're about to go now. Right. Yeah. It's still there. It doesn't go away. When someone says, Daniel, uh, what are you doing? Why are you putting your life on, on, on Facebook? Like, why are you putting your life on your personal life online? Like, what are you doing? I still feel offended. I still feel hurt. It still hurts. Okay. I'm a human being. I'm not a robot. I'm not a, a psychopath. Thank God I've got feelings. Thank God I feel fear. I'd be a psychopath if I didn't. If I didn't feel hurt, I'd be a psychopath. And so thank God I'm a healthy human being that feels fear and feels hurt. But the difference between the way I am now and the way I was is now I feel that hurt, but I move on. I move on. Next. Move on. Whereas before I held on to it like it was like, uh, like it was like, a, like, like, you know, when you go on a roller coaster and you, you're holding on for dear, like, I'm like grabbing hold of that thing. Let it go, man. Just let it go. You felt it, give it two minutes, give it five minutes, go for a walk, done. I feel, I feel fear. Oh my goodness, what's gonna happen? Okay, that's normal. Hello fear, how you doing? You know, you're there, that's great, wonderful, nice to see you again. But I'm still gonna do this. Whereas before the fear would hold me back, I'm not hitting record button. I'm not gonna go, I'm not going on that show. I'm, too, I'm not hitting that Facebook Live but I'm not posting this. It's, uh, no, no, I'm not really ready. I'm not, I can't do it. Now I feel the fear, but I do it anyway. I say I feel that fear, but post, hmm. record. That's the difference. What mantra do you live by today? Move on. Move on. Next. That thought in the head that says, you know, oh, you're never going to reach that next milestone that, you know, it's not going to happen. Next, move on. Next thought. Thank you. You know, someone does something that pisses me off. I feel upset. Okay, move on. Next. Don't have time for that. More important things in life. You know, it's just realizing that life is too short to hold on to things. You can't, you can't hold on to it all. You'll, drive yourself crazy if you drive yourself mad you gotta just let go and go with it roll with it life's an experiment it's an adventure and if it isn't it's really it's gonna be really frustrating and it's gonna be really hard and it's gonna be really you know depressing because you're just holding on to so much but when you learn to let go and just go with the next the next thing it's just so much easier. Next. 
I failed. Next. I had a client that wants a refund. Okay. It happens. It happens. I used to hold on to it for months. Oh my God, that, that, oh, that client was not happy with you. Let it go. Okay. You go on a sales call and the guy, and they didn't sign up because whatever, you messed up. Like, okay, next. I'll, I'll have another go. I'll have another go. You go to a fun fair when you throw the ball at the thing and you miss. You don't like, you have another go. Have another go. It's a game. Don't get so hung up on it. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Life is so beautiful when we play it as a game. When we don't take it too serious. It's so much more enjoyable. Get out there. You've got a voice. Use it. Inspire other people. Find your zone of genius. There are people that need you. Stop thinking about yourself. Get the hell out of your own place and start thinking about those people that need you. And don't give me that BS that, oh, nobody needs me. What can I give? That's such nonsense. You're lying to yourself. Stop it. There's always going to be those people who are one step, two steps, three steps, four steps behind you. And you need to be there for them because they need you. They need you. You're doing an injustice to them. You're stealing. You're robbing from them. And you're ungrateful because God gave you, gave you a gift and your purpose is to use that gift. And if you're not using that gift, you're being selfish. Don't give me that humble pie. It's BS. It's not humility. It's false. It's fake. Oh, I'm, I'm humble. I'm not good. No, no, that's not, that's not humility. That's lack of self-belief. That's lack of self-worth. That's ingratitude to what you have. That's not, that's not humble. Do you humble believe... is realizing, you know, it's not all you. That's humble. Humble is realizing it's not all you. It's, it's, there's everyone. There's other people. There's, you know, but, but I'm a piece of this. And I matter. And there are people that need me. That's what changes everything. There are people. I need to get on podcasts because people need to hear the message that I need to share. People need to hear the message that I need to share. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes. That's the short answer. <laughs> that's, that's the short answer. You know, there's obviously there's a whole long discussion of it, but that, that is the short answer. I, I do. I believe everything happens for a reason. Good. Yeah. The, the, the name of the show and the brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, came from spending decades, like I said, living behind fear, not taking action, allowing that to just paralyze me and stay where I am. Is there a big moment you can share with us where you, you were aware that you were paralyzed by fear and you had one of two choices? You could either retreat or go forward and you went forward. Wow. <laughs> there's, so many, there's so many instances. I'm trying to think of, of one that sticks out. Um, when I dated my wife, I, I just knew that she was the one. I just knew it inside. She was the one and she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready. And she was kind of dating others. And she was kind of like, you know, she was still 
in college in LA and I was living in Israel and we were the worlds apart. I mean, it's a 16 hour flight. We're literally halfway across the world, literally halfway across the world from each other. And, um, there was this part of me that just said, go for it, go for it. But what do you mean? I'm going to fly 16 hours away to a place I've never been. I'm this guy from England, London, never been to America. Forget about LA, never been to America. The first time going to America, I have no money. I don't have a job at that point. Um, I'm studying. I've got to be here studying. Um, I don't know anybody there. Who am I going to stay by? Where am I going to stay? And there's no commitment. She's not even committing to anything. What am I going to do? And there was this choice of, do I just retreat and say, I accept that she's just going her way and I'm going mine? Or do I just go into the unknown, into the abyss, because I feel like this is right? And I went with it. I just said, no, I am going to go. I don't know where this is going to lead, but I know that deep down inside me, this is right. This feels right. I need to do this. I need, I will do this. I'm going to do this. We're now 12 years married. And I could not imagine life without her. And I mean that. I've been through a lot. And without her, I would literally be, I can't even, can't even begin to describe where I would be. It's beyond. Wow. So beyond. following following your your gut, following what you know to be right. Absolutely. You have two types of minds. You have your brain the brain, right, where you have your thoughts and you have your gut. There's the two I call them the two brains or the two minds. And when we make decisions, sometimes we make decisions based on our thoughts. And the problem is, is that usually they're all mixed up. They're confusing because one thought is saying one thing and another thought is saying another thing. And usually that's also where you get a lot of the fears and the, I don't know if I can do this. I can't spend that much money. It's expensive. Uh, oh, you know, am I going to really, you know, is it going to work out for me? Is this going to, and then you've got your gut, which just is a single thing. It's a single voice. It's quiet. And it's, it's clear when you listen to it it's just very clear and it's usually always right you have to learn to listen to that voice you have to learn to just drown out the voices and all the noise and just try to listen to that the gut the voice of the gut right are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? Um, I'm spiritual and religious. Um, interesting that you put the two separately. I like that. That was good. Uh, but I am both religious and spiritual. Good. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? It's not all over. That's what I believe. It, it, I believe that it's never over. All right. I, 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 I mean, I, I, I have to, I'd have to literally talk for a long time. <laughs> Another a long episode. Time. 
a long time to get into into that subject, but uh, I don't believe it's over. Good. That's comforting to know. I will leave you, Daniel Geffen, with this final question. Mm-hmm. How would you baby. like... Exactly. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> oh, God. Did I just do that? I guess. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? Definitely not with that. <laughs> Definitely not with that Britney Spears line. Um, oh, my. I want to be remembered as a person who truly cared about other people and really gave everything to help other people, to really help others. Because most of my life I've been very selfish. Very, very, very self-absorbed. All about me, 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 me. It was always about me. It's always been about Daniel. I walk into a room, how do I look? How do I sound? How do I, you know, always about me. I didn't care about you. I didn't care about anyone. Even in business, it's all about me. You know, how much money can you afford me? Are you going to pay me? Are you going to, right? Never about you. Always about me. Even in my marriage, what can you do for me? What can you give me? My goodness, the first, I would say, first five years, six years, seven years of marriage, it was really tough because it was all about me. What I need, what I want. Even when I had children, it was all about me. Put the kids to bed already. Come on, I've got this show that I want to watch. It's all about me. It's all about me. And I want, to, I want to leave this world where I've transformed my very being to the point of people remembering me as the person who really gave to other people, who really put other people before himself. He really had other people's interests in mind. And my life was dedicated to, to the service of other people because my grandfather was, is my hero and he's my, he's, my, he's my biggest inspiration and he lived a life of servitude to other people. That was his legacy. And I know we could spend uh, an entirely uh, other episode talking exclusively about your grandfather. Yes, a- absolutely. My, my grandfather is a very, was, I mean, he passed away, but he still is a very special, uh, he's, he's very special. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so are you, Daniel. So are you. And if people Thanks. listening, of course, if people listening want to um, explore further, go deeper. I know for one, like we said, your, your Facebook page has um, a lot of these stories uh, extrapolated and uh, uh, more details on, right? Is that a good place for someone to start? Yeah, they can go to Facebook. Um, I mean, I have a, a daily show called the Daniel Geffen Show. So if people like to hear to hear from me, I have a daily, uh, basically talking to myself. Uh, every day I have new ideas and concepts and I delve deep into myself. I do a lot of introspection. Uh, it's 10 minutes um, or 10 to 15 minutes a day, daily. Uh, just go to the Daniel Geffen Show. It's 1F and they can follow that. Um, if they want to find out how to be a great guest on podcasts and they want to know how to get booked on the, the, the right shows and find the right shows and, and, um, and, and how to present themselves in the right way. I've actually put together a free guide for that. It's a free guide. They can get it totally free. They go to podcastguestsuccess.com. That's podcastguestsuccess.com. 
and we'll certainly link to all this in and around the show to make it so easy. My goodness, I feel like we, we barely scratched the surface. Who knew? I feel like I can talk to you for another few hours. Yeah, well, we can always do a round two. Absolutely. Right. I would love it. If I was Joe Rogan, we would be going another couple of hours. Yeah. The shows are like three hours. I love it. Yeah, it's incredible. And so are you, Daniel. Like I've said, I really appreciate this. I appreciate the connection. Uh, thank you for being here. Good man. Good man. Josh, I'm honored to be on your show. And thank you to everyone who's still listening. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, I hope we uh, somehow cross paths. And, and if there's any way I can help any of you, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, find me on social media. Reach out. Say hi. Let me know how you're doing. And uh, love to hear from you. Yes, and I will make sure you and I cross paths again. And for those listening, uh, I hope you and I cross paths again. And like I say, which has been a th one theme of this show, uh, if you got something out of it, take action, right? It's all about one little step. You don't have to make it more than it is. One little piece of action out in the world is going to do you a world of good. We have another fantastic episode coming to you, not too far behind. Until we do, thank you so much for spending the time tuning in. And as always, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.